Lauren. And I'm Renata. And I would like to take a moment to mourn the loss of my calm state of mind. <laughs> of your calm state of mind. Okay. <laughs> it's so easy to fall into a stress pattern. I just want to acknowledge how quickly and unexpectedly one can fall into a state of stress and then everything becomes overwhelming. It's crazy. Mm. When we recorded on Sunday, I was fine. I was calm. I had time to do everything. And then I woke up yesterday morning and I was like, fuck, I don't even know what day it is. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get through all my shit that I need to do. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, yeah. And then it kind of just feels like everything needs to be done all at once. And it doesn't act well. Okay. At least I hope that it doesn't. But um, it all just feels like a lot and feels like too much and you don't quite know where to begin. Yes, and then I end up making to-do lists for myself of things that I need to try and do in one day. And it turns out to be like six or seven tasks that I need to finish after work. And the reality of that is I never get around to doing all the tasks in that same or in the time frame that I've set out for myself. And I just don't seem to learn my lesson. So mm. Anyway, but here we are sitting high strung, like a bit of a... I don't know what's high strung. I don't know something with a guitar string, and <laughs> <laughs> or like the string of a bow, like a like a bow and arrow. Yes, yes, you are a metaphor queen. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, how are things going there? Well, since we are recording, I guess for our listeners, they're only going to hear this in like two weeks' time. But for us, we were recording like one and a half days apart. So for me, I'm now even more excited because we're going to South Africa tomorrow. Yay! Um, yeah, so everything is pretty much... No, I'm lying. It, not everything is packed. Uh, of course, Stefan's things are packed and very neatly ordered and he's all ready mm. to go and I'm only half packed. So, oops. But it'll happen sometime between now and tomorrow morning oh, i was gonna say and you work tomorrow so you don't exactly have time to to do it tomorrow yeah i had not thought of that sorry okay i guess that's what i'm going to be doing after we record this podcast so but yes i am very excited um oh and i have another update to share is that from this day forth, I declare myself the killer of plants. And any yeah. plant that you ever see in my background from here on forth will be fake. Okay. What happened? I, you know, I don't, okay. Probably very arbitrary detail, but you know, I had that nice orchid. Mm. It didn't survive. It did not survive. And it needed to have a plant funeral. So... I am now going to invest. I actually already have fake orchids. I don't know if the aspect ratio of the camera, I don't know if you're going to be able to see them. But um, yes, here on forth, I will not do plants anymore. I have found that it is very difficult to keep my plants alive as well. But mind you, I just keep acquiring more and more and more and more of them. So 
at some point I'm going to end up living in what looks to be a plant shop or a nursery. Well, then you're doing better than me. <laughs> or I just, whenever I kill one off, I buy another one to replace it. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I just, I just draw the line in the sand and I just say, uh-uh, I'm not doing this again. Mm. So, Okay, well, it's good to acknowledge your, your flaws. <laughs> so... If you've been a faithful listener on the show, you will remember that we've done two episodes on immigration. The first just uh, Lauren and my, our personal stories. And then um, on the next episode, we got my dad on uh, to speak about immigrating in a different life stage when you're slightly older. And today we have another very interesting episode and a great guest for you, where we're going to be speaking to my aunt Bronwyn, um, who has been traveling the world for the last couple of years. And um, can bring a very different perspective to it, um, looking at it from a perspective of um, immigrating on a budget, but also not always knowing what's coming up next, um, trying new things and not always following a, a, well, no, that's maybe not the right way to say it, but um, not immigrating in the way that people typically would. So welcome to Unconditional and Uncensored Bronwyn. Thank you very much, Renata. Um, it's wonderful to be here. And hi, Lauren. Hello. Um, you, Hello. Hearing that description, uh, it sounds like you're describing a mad woman. <laughs> <laughs> because like, who does this? <laughs> um, yes, I've traveled the world. I've, I've traveled to quite a number of countries. Um, and I've lived in seven countries in the last seven years. Wow. So yeah, now that now that I say that out loud, that does sound rather crazy. But um, yeah, it's it's been quite an adventure. Um, it's been a very difficult journey, but a very necessary journey as part of who I am, and you know the the person that I've grown into. And I just I cannot see my life any other way. So I'm excited to to share my story with everyone today. Does that mean that there's a new country to come every year? Uh, definitely not every year. <laughs> no. Um, no. <laughs> in in fact, I, I've been living in Poland now for almost three years. Um, so, you know, some countries I was only there for a few months, but uh, I, I kind of counted as a country that I've lived in because I've been working in those countries. Mm. So mm. then I can't, then it counts. <laughs> yes, yeah. I think um, that would count. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Poland has actually been the longest country that I've been mm. in since I left South Africa. And yeah, I'm getting itchy feet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so let's, I, I don't know, let's, let's see what the, what the future brings. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not as young as I was seven years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very interesting though. I think, um, they obviously, they must be some good experiences, some stressful experiences, mm -hmm. some maybe some negative bad experiences that you wouldn't care to repeat. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, after the seven years, you would say that, well, you say it's been part of becoming who you are today. Exactly. So you'd say it's been important and it's been worth it. Definitely. Definitely worth it. I would not change anything that I've done, even though, you know, there were some really difficult times. Um, the, the one that comes to mind, of course, is COVID. 
And at the time I was in Chile, I was living in Santiago. I had just started a new job. I worked for a month and then we had complete military lockdown. <laughs> I basically lost my job. Um, I ended up moving into a hostel. I was living in a dorm room, sharing with other people who were also stuck there during COVID. Um, it, it was a very difficult time financially and, you know, just being in a country where, you know, not a lot of people speak English in Chile and my Spanish wasn't that great. So there's the language, um, you know, all the COVID restrictions, not knowing what's happening. It's a global pandemic. It's the plague. Um, you know, would I ever be able to get out of Chile? So, yeah, that, that I would say was probably the most stressful time, you know, in the last seven mm. years. Yeah. Yeah. Brennan, hmm. if I can mm. backtrack a little bit to the start of the journey. Mm. Immigration in itself is a stressful experience. And most people will find that initial move and that adjustment to a new country very difficult and daunting, and it'll take forever to really settle in and so on. Mm. How did you how did you get to the point where you you knew in your first country you were like, all right, this is this is not where I'm gonna stay? And can you talk us sort of through that process of first deciding you're not gonna stay in the first country, but also that adjustment period, you know, adjusting to every new country, needing to get to know all the different cultures and integrate yourself over and over and over again. That sounds to me, I'm just like, oh, I've been here two and a half years and I'm only now starting to feel like I'm integrating properly. How the hell do you do seven countries? <laughs> well, um, when I left South Africa, it wasn't actually with the thought of immigrating. Um, mm. My plan the plan that I had was to take a, a year off and just go to Thailand and teach English for a year. And then I was going to come back to South Africa, um, hopefully get my old job back and continue life. And yeah, well, that was seven years ago and I've been <laughs> living, you know, I've lived in all these countries. <laughs> so I, th I think it was easier for me that I left South Africa without realizing I was leaving it permanently. Um, okay. It was supposed to be a temporary thing. So, you know, I put a lot of, you know, I put all my things into storage. Yeah. And, and then I, once I was in Thailand, I realized I didn't really enjoy it. Um, mainly because I was living in a very rural area. So it was a major, major culture shock. And mm -hmm. I just kind of thought that this isn't quite for me, but I'm not actually ready to go back to South Africa. So I took my, I saved up about a thousand dollars, US dollars, and I went to Phnom Penh in Cambodia um, without a job, which sounds crazy. <laughs> That's brave. <laughs> but being an English teacher in Southeast Asia, I mean, you pretty much mm -hmm. guaranteed work. It, it's so easy to find a job. So I, I was just in an industry that was easy for me to move. And within four days, I got a job at an international school in Phnom Penh with a really good salary, um, you know, two months paid holiday over the summer. <laughs> and yeah, so then from there, I found an apartment, moved in, I started buying things. Um, the apartment was furnished, so that was easy. 
and I started working and I was in Cambodia for about six months when I realized actually I'm enjoying this I, I think I'm going to stay and not go back to South Africa and that was when I kind of realized okay I've actually emigrated um, yeah so then it was when I, I went back to South Africa um, so I, I left in 2017 so in 2018 mm. I went back and I went through all the things that I'd stored and I realized well like I don't need any of this stuff it's a and I ended up giving away most of it and selling some stuff. And that's how the journey started for me. You know, in Cambodia, once I'd been in Cambodia for about two years, I then realized, well, if I can do Cambodia, then I can do any other country in the world. And mm -hmm. I always had a dream to travel to South America. So I thought, mm. well, what's stopping me? Um, so, of course, I left with no job. <laughs> you can see a pattern coming up here. Yeah? Yeah, I was going to say, there seems to be a trend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'd, I'd saved up quite a bit. So this time it was about $3,000. And I went to okay. Colombia and I actually did some volunteer work um, in a rural town in the middle of the coffee region in Colombia. And mm -hmm. I think that was the, the happiest two months of my life. Um, oh, wow. It was really, it was just so amazing. And it's such a cheap country that, you know, I was living off like barely nothing um and then of course my my visa ran out and i needed to leave and i just decided okay well peru is a good place i've always wanted to go to peru so i went to peru mm -hmm. again with no job and uh, my savings was down to maybe two thousand by then and uh, i managed to find some like workaway stuff. So I was working mm -hmm. in a hostel, like making beds and cleaning toilets. Um, and then I, I found a, a teaching job in Arequipa in Peru. And so I was working there for about eight months. And then I got a job in Chile. So Chile was actually the only place where I'd already had a job lined up out of all the countries. Yeah. And then that's wow. when COVID hit. And then, so... of course, COVID hit. So, yeah, then that just screwed everything up. Um, and yeah. I, I kind of wonder that, you know, if COVID hadn't happened, would I still be living in Santiago? Or would mm -hmm. I have moved to Argentina? Or where would I be? But uh, mm -hmm. I don't think I would have been in Poland. So, yeah. It's interesting to, to think about it in mm -hmm. that perspective. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess your time in Santiago was maybe a little bit marred because mm -hmm. of the whole COVID experience and that you couldn't really experience that much of it. But the, the little bit that you did get to experience, did you, did you like it? Um, I did. I think it's, yeah, I, I drank a lot of wine. In a hostel. <laughs> And, you know, you can't go out and, um, you know, with Chile being such a, a big wine country, you know, you, mm -hmm. you order the wine and it gets delivered. So, you know, pretty much every night we were having, you know, wine with our dinner and, you know, talking in broken Spanish and broken English. Um, so mm -hmm. I think it, it, was, it was a nice kind of social experiment in a way when... You know, I was kind of stuck with people that I probably wouldn't have ever met. 
and you know, I, I made friends through that as well. So I still have some friends um, who have also moved on to different countries. Mm. And yeah, I mean, I think it was a scary time to be in a foreign country, but at the same time, it, it was almost like a necessary, you know, everything comes to a standstill and mm. you, you're just forced to be social and kind of get mm. to know people. Yeah. That's interesting because I think with immigration in general, okay, I guess I can't generalize too much, but many people don't force themselves to kind of go out there and make friends. And, um, you know, that's a big problem or a big complaint that people have, myself included, when they immigrate is that it's really hard to to make friends and to kind of find that social side of things. So uh, obviously not a nice situation, you know, in the grand scheme of things, but I mean, actually having that experience of well being forced to yeah. make friends yeah and there's something nice about that too mm. yeah yeah that was actually i never really thought about it that way but it, it's true that that was the best thing that came out of chile and and south america in mm. general was the friendships that i made oh, mm. yeah it was good do you think that that's cultural that the south american yeah. cultures are more friendly I think there's definitely a bit of a cultural thing to that. They, they, they are a lot more sociable and outgoing and friendly um, than, for example, in Poland. But again, it's a cultural thing. And, you know, I think, yeah, in, in Poland and possibly in other European countries, um, people tend to keep more to themselves and they're quite private mm. until you get to know them and then they open up. So that's that's been my experience so far. Would you say that you sort of, as you're coming towards that time where you felt like you were going to move, did you could you feel, could you sense that you were coming on to that time where you were like, all right, it's time to move on now? Or did it just kind of hit you like a ton of bricks? Yeah, I, I would say it was quite a slow process. It would build up and build up over a few months. And then I would start doing a bit of research. So, you know, in, in the sense that I, I never really had a fixed plan as such of what I'm doing. Um, mm. I did, you know, when I started thinking, hmm, maybe it's time to move or I'm really interested in this country. Let me see what teaching opportunities there are. Um, mm. Let me look at the cost of living, um, you know, the housing, you know, the infrastructure, all of that kind of thing. So I, I would spend, you know, a few weeks researching the country first and seeing is this a good place to move and inevitably the more i researched a country the more i was like okay yes this is what i'm going to do and i, mm. I think it's almost to a point where i've done all this research now i need to go <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I can say that with each move it does become easier so i would say that the the stress level that I had moving to Poland was a lot less than the stress I had moving to Thailand or to Cambodia in the beginning, mm. uh, mainly because I, I kind of realized that no matter what happens, I know I can survive. I, I will mm. find a way to survive. So knowing that I've done it before kind of helped me give that, kind of helped me get that sense of um, resilience. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And what was your worst case scenario? So you walk into it and you think, well, I guess worst case scenario, I do this. 
What was your worst case scenario? My worst case scenario is being deported back to South Africa because at this point, um, you know, I've it's been seven years. Um, I don't have a, a home, really. Mm. Um, I don't have a car. And in South Africa, the infrastructure is such that you, you kind of need to have your own car. Um, yes. So just yeah. the financial side of going back to South Africa would be pretty much impossible for me. Um, so I think that that right now is my biggest fear is doing mm. something and being deported. <laughs> not not because I have anything against South Africa. I'm, you know, I'm I'm very I'm very proud to be South African, but it's just mm. as as a country that's it's no longer my home. It's interesting that you say that it's no longer your home because I've also been mm. feeling a bit like that and thinking about you know actually how one verbalizes it um mm. you know we're going back to south africa now for two weeks and i've been saying oh yeah i'm going back home and i actually mm. had to pause and think okay but am i actually um is south africa actually still home mm. i mean yes there'll always be a part of it that's i mean i grew up there mm. i was born there you know it's a culture that i probably understand the most and also identify with but i don't think it's home anymore um, you know, also one of those things that you have to kind of process once you've immigrated and once you've left your home country. Yeah. yeah. Do Do you see Switzerland as your home? Hmm. hmm. Loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, do you see Australia as your home? I do. I do now. Okay. Yes. I guess so. Um. I think. Mm. I don't know, I've got very mixed feelings about it, actually. Yes, there's a good part of me that's like, yes, this is home now and here to stay. Mm -hmm. But I uh, also think if I don't find a way to integrate socially and make more friends, it's a slow death mm -hmm. for me. I can definitely relate to that. So to recap, the countries that you have stayed in, mm -hmm. in chronological order, and I might just botch this up, but it's... Thailand, Cambodia, Colombia, Peru, Chile, and then Poland. Yes, that is correct. Well done. <laughs> ah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, in that order. Yeah. And you said that your time, the, the time in Colombia was your happiest. Yes. And I've been trying Overall? to figure... Yeah. Yeah, I've been trying to figure out why. And I think it was because I didn't have a job. I was volunteering. <laughs> that just goes to show how differently it hits when you have these responsibilities that you like, you have to go every day. You have to, you don't, it almost takes away that sense of freedom. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Because when I was volunteering, I could choose not to do the work because, you know, they're not paying me for it. So if I want a day mm. off, I'll take a day off. It's fine. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, with the volunteering, I got, you know, uh, board and lodging in return. So I had meals and I had free coffee in Colombia all the time. <laughs> so that was a big perk. But I wow. think the sense of not having to go and do a job because I'm getting paid for it and then mm. use that to now, um, you know, pay rent and bills and everything. Mm. And I, I think that's what why I was the happiest but um, you know again I'm just I don't 
I don't have that kind of life or I don't have the financial means to be able to do that now. So mm-hmm. we live in a world, you know, things have gone up, inflation has gone up, cost of living has gone up. Um, and incidentally, even though, you know, Poland is a relatively cheap country in Europe, it is the most expensive country that I've ever lived in because it's also the most developed country that I've lived in. Mm-hmm. So for me, I don't see Poland as being, you know, easy in terms of cost of living which is maybe unusual because most people would think oh but Poland's cheap compared to you know Germany or the UK or wherever mm. um, but I'm comparing it to Cambodia <laughs> it's, it's a lot cheaper in Cambodia than it is yeah so mm. I think financial yeah financial costs makes a big difference in immigration Mm-hmm. How, how would you compare that experience of living, you say that Poland is the most developed country, so how does that living experience then compare to the other countries that you've lived in or the more underdeveloped countries? How would you, do you have a distinction that you'd make, a clear distinction? Um, that's actually quite a difficult question because life is obviously a lot more comfortable in Poland. Mm. Um, you know, I have drinkable water coming up the taps. I have heating, I have a a really good infrastructure with public transport. Um, You know, the shops are stocked with all kinds of variety of food. Mm. Whereas, you know, in other countries that I've been in, it hasn't always been the case. But somehow, I find that I've enjoyed those countries more, maybe because there was like a little bit of a challenge. And, you know, it's not that easy to do it. Whereas Mm. in Poland, I almost feel like it's a little too easy. I really sound crazy, don't I? Well, I was just thinking the things that you're describing is like things that I just take as a given. You know, I wouldn't, Mm. I don't Mm. even think about them really. You know, the fact that there's drinking water in the taps, which I guess uh, (laughs) makes me sound very, makes me sound very privileged that I am very privileged to be in the position that I am in. But it's like, those are, those are things I don't measure, like the experiences that I have or whatever by these kinds of things. And I guess if you've lived in less developed countries, it probably makes you appreciate some of these sort of conveniences a little bit more. It does. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It definitely has made me more aware of, of how comfortable things are in Poland. Um, mm. And it's definitely given me a, a different perspective to, you know, like the, the people I work with would maybe complain about the taste of the water. And I'm like, mm. you have no idea how good it is. Yeah. <laughs> but again, that's that's all they're used to. So, you know, if you've if you've lived in a, um, you know, like in Europe, for example, you, you kind of used to. Yes, of course, you can drink the water. Of course, it's you know, this is normal. Um mm-hmm. Whereas, like in a in a country like Thailand or Cambodia, you need to have bottled water. You know, tap water is not always that safe to drink. Mm. In the cities, it's mm. fine, but you know, in the rural areas, not so much. But for them, that's normal. So it, it's like they they're comfortable with that in Cambodia, just as much as we are comfortable with it in Europe. It's just a different way of living, and you get accustomed mm. to it. Um, and I, I think for me, having lived in such different countries, I see the differences quite starkly. Mm. But the people that I interact with, for them, that's normal. And for me, I'm like, well, 
in that country it's totally different and in that country it's different again yeah does it give you almost like a false sense of security in in poland do you do you feel like the carpet's going to be ripped out of under you Mm. um i think to a certain extent um i'm scared of becoming too comfortable in my lifestyle in poland and you know then if i move to another country having like a bit of a culture shock with that Mm. um Mm. so like, like i said earlier you know living in other countries and especially developing countries because it's a challenge it almost keeps me on my toes and it keeps me resilient and it keeps mm. me um you know learning and you know constantly overcoming things but also be happy mm. in that whereas i think living in poland um i mean I, i i enjoy living here i really do but i am a little worried that i'm going to become too comfortable <laughs> and then not be able to go you know to less mm. developed countries and do that so in that sense yeah yeah mm. which is maybe why i'm getting itchy feet and i'm thinking hmm, time for a challenge my life is it's ready to move on <laughs> because you've been living in poland for three years in now january right? it will be three years yeah wow goodness gracious time flies yeah yeah and what would be next on the cards for you what sort of ex- do when you when you research a place what do you look for a particular mm-hmm. experience or do you just think oh i wonder what it's like there and then do some research into it and think yep i'd like to experience that or are you after like um oh, i'd like to go live in a city or i'd like to live somewhere tropical or is there mm-hmm. a particular experience that you have in mind before you make the decision on where you want to go the first thing that i look at is cost of living um because with the you know I'm, i work as a teacher and you know, teachers all over the world don't get paid well so i kind of know my limits and you know e- even in countries where you know they say oh but saudi arabia you can earn thousands but you have a lot less freedom there so yes. you know that's not really an option so i always look at the the cost of living knowing how much i would probably earn as a teacher and seeing how comfortably can i live on that um and and that's pretty much what stops me from going to you know from living in western europe or in america or anywhere because i know that there's no ways i can survive on one job i'm going to have to work much harder to be able to survive so cost of living first thing i look at um mm-hmm. the second thing i look at is infrastructure um in terms of public transport and how accessible it is how easy it is to get around a city or a town or the country even um because i don't have a car so i i need to rely on you know my transport so cost of living transport and then i look at safety and you know how safe is it as a country in general the crime rate um especially in terms of women because i'm a single woman you know in a foreign country the world we live in is is not a, a good place for us all the time so i do need to kind of keep that in mind um yeah then i think i start looking at things like the you know finding apartments and what is the range of apartments but that also goes into cost of living yeah but mm. it's the finances mm. that's the main thing i look at but i think if there's something that you've also shown as well is that it's possible to do it on a smaller budget than you'd expect i think 
okay, I guess if you're wanting to move to Western Europe or to Australia or to some more developed countries, I guess the costs associated with immigrating there are also just higher. Mm. But um, it's also encouraging to see that you can do it. Um, with okay, obviously it depends where you go. Like I said, but yes. it's not impossible to do it um, on a limited budget. You're right. It it really is possible, and the the way that I do it is um, I try to keep my belongings very small, so I don't have mm. any furniture, for example. Um, so not having a lot of things that you have to take, so that that cuts down on like the moving costs or the relocation costs. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I do have a cat now, so that does complicate things because my cat has furniture. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think the the thought of me moving to another country with a cat, of course, mm. that's going to cost a lot more. So. You know, I would need to keep that in mind as well. But I mean, even with, you know, things like furniture, I've I've kind of gotten into this um, mindset that everything is temporary. So whatever mm. furniture I have, I don't need to hang on to it forever. It's it's just a table. Mm. I can sell it. I can buy another table. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I really don't have a lot of possessions, really. I have a fridge magnet collection, and that's that's important. So, <laughs> yes, but I do not have, I don't have a bed. Um, my apartment comes furnished. So, yeah. Do you find that you, where previously might have walked through shops mm-hmm. and looked around and thought, oh, that's nice. I'd like to have that. Or that's a nice to have where now your mindset has shifted so much to the point where you don't even look at the things that you can't have. Or do you still look and admire <laughs> and think, oh, that's nice. I wish I could have that. Or... I definitely still look at things. Um, yeah, I definitely still look and think, wow, I'd really like to have that. But my mindset has changed in the sense that I'd really like to have that and then sell it when I leave. Mm. So yeah. I now have a, almost like a rule that I, I don't buy anything that I'm not willing to either give away or to sell. Yeah, so that there's no mm. permanent attachment to that. Mm. Yeah, it's a little bit Buddhist. <laughs> but it really does help and it makes it a lot easier because now when I see something I really like I'm like well is it really worth buying that only to give it away when I move from here because mm. I don't see myself as being in in Poland permanently or at, at the very mm. least not crack off permanently so I know that I will mm. be moving and I kind of do think ahead and think well yeah I'm not going to buy that now because I'm not settled yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The problem with that comes in that I, I don't know if I'm ever going to be settled. And I don't want to then, you know, 20 years from now, look back and think, I should have bought that. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I wanted it and now the time has gone by. So, yeah. So mm-hmm. what are your thoughts then around settling? What What does that concept look like or mean to you at this stage where you are now am i asking you a bit of a loaded question yeah i'm sorry (laughs) no it's a question that's been on my mind a lot for the last couple of months um i think in a lot of ways i do feel like i've settled down in poland Mm. 
the fact that I have a cat has made me settle down. And I think for maybe for other people, it would be, you know, having a partner, being in a relationship or um, having a child. For me, it's my cat that has kind of made me stay. And I think also just looking over the past few years, and especially after COVID, I needed to stay in one place for a while and just recover from all that moving and and stress. Um, But at the same time, I don't feel like I'm really settled down. So like, like I said earlier that, you know, I don't really view South Africa as my home anymore. But I also don't see Poland as my home. So technically, I don't really have a home. I don't feel like I belong in a certain country. And and that, that is becoming a little concerning. So it's, it's something that I do want to kind of investigate a bit more and see what is it about being in a country and belonging, feeling that sense of belonging, and how to get that sense because... You know, I think if, if you have that, if you can develop a sense of belonging in a place, you can live anywhere in the world and mm. and that can be your home. So I think it's the whole concept of home and settling down that's changing for me. Yeah. Will that then dictate what or where home is for you? Or do you have a like a preconceived idea of where you think you might end up wanting to try and settle? Oh. <laughs> Um, I think I do have a preconceived idea of what home is because it's always been South Africa. Mm. So, but then, you know, there have been places where I've lived, like even in Cambodia, I felt very much at home there. I felt like I belonged. Mm. Um, Colombia as well. To a, to an extent in Poland, yes. Um, I don't, I don't stand out like I did in Southern mm. Southeast Asia. Um, in fact, I have a lot of people speaking Polish to me, and I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. I'm not Polish. <laughs> Whereas I never had that in, you know, in other countries where I don't look like yes. the people. Um, yeah, I think my idea of home has been changing since I've been in Poland. Really, that that's been changing. But where it's going to be, I I don't think it's going to be a physical concept. Mm. I think it's going to be an emotional development that I have and Mm. yeah and you know that that's that is why I am the woman I am today because of all my experiences and living in other countries and having those experiences good and bad has Mm. created this this woman (laughs) um, Mm. where I'm now no longer like okay this is my home my house with my furniture Mm. and my car and my this it's more uh, ethereal and more of an idea mm. than really a place, which also mm. makes me think, well, I, I could then live anywhere. Mm. But then another part of me says, well, Bronwyn, you're not a young spring chicken anymore, and you need to be in a place where there's good health care and it's safe and accessible. So reason and logic do come into it. I'm not moving to Siberia. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well... I'm very glad to hear that. <laughs> it would be rather challenging to go have the family Christmas in Siberia. Oh, my word. So. Yeah. But I actually, I quite like that as well. Figuring out how home becomes a concept or a, 
not an idea, but yeah, a concept for you that it's more conceptual rather than physical because yeah, I think once you've left your home country where you've obviously spent the majority of your life and that's what up until now has resonated the most with you, mm. you won't, I don't think you'll ever replace that. Actually, you won't ever find something that feels exactly like that again. So to move from a home is a place, it is a physical thing, it is I feel, I don't know, comfortable in the shops or I know where to go for what. Yeah, that is a small part of it, right? But to make it more of a, yeah, like a sense of belonging, I really like that. Mm. Yeah. But I can imagine as well, and I mean, you can go as deeply into it as you'd like or not at all, but I can imagine that this entire, this moving process has probably been quite emotional because it's something that you've first of all been doing alone. So, you, I mean, you've had, obviously, we as your family have, been supporting you from afar but I mean in the actual experiences you you've been completely alone and I think that's one part to it but I think also this constantly moving around and also not always knowing what comes next can be very stressful and emotional and I and I guess sometimes a little bit lonely yeah you you've definitely hit the nail on the head there um it has been incredibly difficult at times and you know, especially doing it alone. Um, I mean, I, I can't. I can't really say. Would it have been better if I had a, a partner with me doing this? I don't know if I would have had the same experience. Mm. So I think the the experience of doing it on my own has also, again, made me who I am today. Um, mm. It it has been difficult. It's been lonely at times. But I look at the person I was before I left South Africa and I look at who I am now and I'm a lot more self-sufficient now in terms of my emotions and, you know, psychologically. Um, I mean, I, yeah. The, one of the reasons why I left South Africa was, was not just to, you know, take a break and do a year away, but it was also part of getting away from a, a very toxic um relationship that I was in, uh, which I just ended, but it was really, really bad. I mean, that was awful. And I mean, I remember the woman I was then, um, and I actually cannot believe I had the strength to go to Thailand on my own, because my self-confidence was completely shattered uh, by this person. So... And I think that taking that step is what helped me realize, okay, well, now I can go to Cambodia. So it was difficult. Um, it was very stressful, very, I was, I was very, I was very afraid um, mm. because of course I didn't have a job. I didn't know what I was going into, but I would always, you know, I would think about it. I would research things like obviously I researched Cambodia before I went there. And um, I think one thing that, that helped me was like always have plan B or have like a backup thing and think, okay, what is the worst that can happen? Okay, so I get to Cambodia. I don't find a job. Okay, you know what? Then I need to use my savings to buy a plane ticket back to South Africa and, I don't know, move in the family <laughs> mm. <laughs> who will help me start again. <laughs> um, mm. So I would think of that and having the support of my family really helped it really did 
um, mm. not, not just the emotional support and the, the encouragement, but, you know, there were times, especially, you know, when I was stuck in, in Chile, I did get some financial help as well, um, just to help me out of that situation. So, mm. you know, it, I, I, I don't think I could do this without my family and also the friends that I made around the world. They also, you know, pitched in and helped me financially during that time. Um, one of the friends that I made in when I was living in Peru, um, I mean, we're still friends today, and she actually paid for my plane ticket back to South Africa so I could get my visa to get to Poland. So, you know, the, the friends that I made around the world, that really helped. That being said... You know, it's also, I've also learned that a lot of things are temporary and even bad situations are temporary. So, you know, just like bad situations are temporary, people are also temporary. So there's, there are also a lot of people that I've lost touch with, you know, over the years that I've made friends with. They were great friends to me in that place at that time. And now we've kind of moved our own ways and we've lost touch. And that's okay. And I think that's been a big lesson for me. Learn, it's okay for people to move on. Um, it's okay to lose touch because that happens. And life, life in itself is very temporary. So, mm. you know, we're living in the moment. Make the most of what you have in the moment with your friends, with your family. And because we don't know what's going to come next. There could be another pandemic. Mm. Who knows? Okay, I'm starting to sound a, a little less crazy now. <laughs> <laughs> if you wouldn't mind talking about it, Bronwyn, and by all means, please say no. Can you talk us through a little bit about your mindset around the financial side of this? Um, so from the perspective of being financially stable, um, you know, and having these reserves and sort of knowing that you're going to be okay, knowing what comes next to now having, you know, experienced what you've experienced, having been in the position where, you know, you've had other people needing to chip in and support. Mm -hmm. uh, how did you, how did you shift your mindset? What is your mindset now around money and trying to move and make, making a living versus what it might've been before? And for someone that uses that as almost like a security blanket. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that it's changed all that much. I mean, I, I still worry a lot about finances. And mm. you know, the times when I've really been struggling financially, it's, it's been constantly on my mind. So, you know, I don't think it's all that different. I just know from experience that something always comes up. You know, whether it's more work or something happens that um, I don't want to say rescues me, but just makes me see other opportunities and I take them and mm. it works out. Um, mm. Perhaps in a lot of ways, I've been lucky in the places that I've gone to and I've been able to get good jobs and mm. you know, there, there's always work coming in. Again, you know, it's my industry teaching English. There's a big demand for it. So it doesn't, it's not necessarily the same for anybody else, you know, in other industries. Teaching is also kind of a more informal way of making an income because I do a lot of freelance work. Mm -hmm. 
So I think I've I've become used to not having, um, you know, medical insurance and paid leave and pension and all of those things. Mm. And I've kind of realized that, well, hey, I've been surviving without that for a while now. It's okay. Yeah. I don't know if that really answers so the question, though. You do? <laughs> yeah, it does. So that sense of security, has that sense of security then shifted from a mindset of, well, I know I'm in a, a job that's going to continue paying to, well, I know I'm never going to be without a job, so I know I'll be fine. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, I think my mindset has changed more in terms of planning short-term rather than long-term. Mm -hmm. So I think when I was working in South Africa in corporate, um, you know, it was definitely more of like a long-term, like I know I'm employed for the next year, whereas mm -hmm. now it's more semester by semester. So I know that for the next six months I've got work. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, I, I think I've also just become a lot better at budgeting and looking mm -hmm. at finances and also realizing how, how little I actually need. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a, you know, I don't need, uh, yeah, like, I mean, buying stuff. I, I try to avoid mm -hmm. buying stuff, <laughs> uh, which is sometimes difficult. You know, especially mm -hmm. living in, in a developed country, there's a lot of variety. There's a lot of things on offer. There's IKEA and Allegro and all kinds of amazing mm -hmm. things. But I've I've kind of learned through my experiences to live within my means. Mm. Yeah. And do I've realised that those. At... Sorry. Mm. I was going to say, do you ever look at other people and think, you know, you actually don't need that or like do you ever have these thoughts of why why would you do something like that or do you realize that you don't need to be doing that to be in the position you're in or something like that <laughs> i don't think i do i'm trying to think of any examples of like friends but maybe another way of putting that is that do you notice it more quickly if people are living a life of excess mm. that you notice it more quickly than you might have before I, I, I really don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I have noticed that. No. Um, I mean, I, I think w w when I see people who have a lot of things, I assume that they have the money for that. I don't really. I don't think that. Okay, well, they're living beyond their means. I would just assume, well, gosh, they must be like me and living within their means. They just have more money than me, and that's okay. <laughs> so no, I don't think it's it's changed my mindset in that. It's become. It's definitely more of a personal journey mm. and my own, my own ideas around money and finances that's changed over the years. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's some, something that not everyone really ever, well, you get people who never really learn how to live within their means and, and how to handle their finances properly. So that's... Um, yes you've been through a lot to get to that point mm -hmm. but I mean to have that kind of skill is I think really important I think it is and I mean I can't say that I'm perfect there, there's definitely some months when you know the teaching especially during the summer months you know the teaching becomes a bit less and I have to really plan ahead and make sure okay I have to pay my rent and my internet and my utilities bill and food and so on and cat 
Um, very important. <laughs> so I always make sure that I'm earning at least that. And whatever I make extra, it's like, okay, well, I need to save this now for the next month because, you know, I might not mm. have as much teaching hours. Um, mm. Yeah, I think it's it's a it's a personal journey, really. And it's really very much in my industry. And again, you know, coming back to the topic of, of you know, emigrating and doing it on a budget, um, I think the type of work you do makes a big difference in that. So for me, it's it's a lot easier for teachers to do this. And a lot of people who do move from country to country are actually English teachers because there's always work in those countries. Um, although mostly non-English speaking countries, that would be the best place. So, you know, which is also why I wouldn't move to UK because I'm competing with, do, I don't then? know, five million. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Whereas in Poland, there's like a thousand. <laughs> so, mm. yeah, so in that sense, it makes sense to, to move. And non-English speaking countries generally are developing countries rather than developed. Yes. Do you have any particular funny experiences or um, uh, some sort of like something that comes to mind that would put a smile on your face? I'm sure you've experienced a lot of different things and a lot of funny things, but anything that stands out to you that you can share with us on your experience in particular? Wow. Um, one thing does come to mind when I was in in Thailand, so more in the beginning of my journey, um, or no, hang on, it wasn't Thailand, it was Cambodia. You see, I get confused with all the places I've been. But in Cambodia, there is a, there's a delicacy of tarantulas that are fried mm -hmm. and like on a, on a stick, like a society. And um, they often have, you know, people are selling them on the streets and there was a child, like a young, like maybe six or seven year old little girl who came up to me with a stick with a tarantula on it. I mean, it was like deep fried tarantula that you eat. And they tried to sell me this thing. And of course I freaked out. I got a fright and she started <laughs> laughing and she started down the street. And of course I could see the funny side of that because she was having so much fun chasing this white foreigner with a fried tarantula. Um, and yeah, it was just like a joyful moment. And in the end, I was like, okay, I'm still not going to buy the tarantula. Uh, definitely not eating it, but at least you've got a good time out of it. <laughs> yeah, so that, that was a fun thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember when I was in Thailand. Cute. Yes. I remember when mm. I was in Thailand, and I saw, I think they've got uh, scorpions the same concept but they do it with scorpions um in yes. thailand and i mm. looked at this and i thought why would anyone want to stick that in their mouths <laughs> but i can just imagine having it the same thing with the scorpion but a tarantula yeah. on a stick by a little girl coming up to you <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i i think that's you know the delicacies that you get in mm. these countries that's really unusual. So yeah, like Thailand and Cambodia, it's a lot of insects. Um, in mm. Peru, they have a, a dish. Um, it's actually a guinea pig. 
like a large hamster that they mm-hmm. eat. Yeah. And I went on a hike in a mountain in Peru, and we came across a, a hamster farm, like a guinea pig farm, where they were farming these animals for restaurants. And it was not a pleasant experience to see these, these cute little mm-hmm. guinea pigs and realizing the restaurant next door serves them. Yeah, so that, that was a bit of a, uh, mm-hmm. didn't like that. Um, I didn't eat it. I must admit, I'm not very adventurous when it comes to food. So I, I don't really eat any of the delicacies that are in all these countries. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nice to like look at it and find out about it, but no, I'm not going to eat it. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you had any yeah. sort of like sobering experience compared to like you've had your funny, have you had anything that's almost given you a bit of a reality check or a sobering experience since being there? Hmm. Yeah, I think again, it it makes me think of Cambodia. I think the whole experience of living there was sobering. Um, because the the history of Cambodia is quite brutal. They mm. it was in the nineteen seventies. There was a dictator. There was a huge genocide, and a third of the population was killed. So even today, when you go in Cambodia, there are very few old people because they were pretty much all wiped out. Mm. So that, you know, knowing that history and, you know, going to the museums and going to the killing fields in Cambodia was um, a very, very sobering experience. Um, Just seeing how absolutely brutal people can be in situations like that. And then getting to know, you know, local Cambodians and how happy they are and how content they are in their life and how grateful they are for everything that they have. It was, I think that always kind of came home to me whenever I would, you know, see people in the streets. They, I, I know that they're very poor. They're living on $2 a day, but mm. yet they're very happy and friendly and they're loving life. They're just very content, um, or at least from the outside. Maybe, maybe they're not, but from the outside, mm. it looks like that. So I think seeing seeing that in a country, the terrible, terrible history, and then seeing how the people are today, it's quite incredible. And I've seen that as well in Colombia, in Medellin. Um, Medellin was the most dangerous city in the, in the world at some point with the drug cartels. And it was, I mean, it was really, really dangerous. And mm. now it's, uh, they've refurbished everything. Everything is great. And people, they are happy. And it's a safe city mm. to go to. I mean, Poland as well. Poland's got the history. And um, like I went with Renata, we went to Auschwitz, which is not that far mm. from Krakow. Um, recently now in, in August, I went to Bosnia, Herzegovina. And there as well, I saw a lot about the war in Bosnia and the atrocities that happened, the genocide, and then meeting the local people and seeing how they kind of overcome that. So Mm. I think there's there's like a string, there's a string of resilience throughout the world. Mm. And you can see it in so many countries where there's been terrible hardships, terrible things happening, 
um, you know, on a nationwide scale or even on a smaller scale to people and then seeing how they overcome that. And I think that to me is, mm. is quite encouraging. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so like some advice for for people who mm. are looking to immigrate mm. and not necessarily immigrating to an English-speaking country or a developed country, um, I would definitely say go for it because even if it's a bad experience, it's an experience that you've never had before. And the worst that can happen is, ah, you go home, you go back to your country, or you go to another country. That's really the worst that can happen because somehow things work out. And I would also say that us as people, we can live with far less than we think we can. We really can. We can survive without any of the luxuries, as long as you've got drinking water, obviously, uh, food, and shelter. Mm. Yeah. That's... And a cat. A cat. Definitely a cat. internet. <laughs> 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 uh, yes. Yeah. Or at least access to a phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. You see, now now we're adding on. So now these things yeah. are going to start us <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. I was just thinking we're yeah. making our list longer. <laughs> that, that's what happens. And it's, uh, um, but I would definitely encourage people to do that, to take that leap, mm. do it. Because you know what? We, we're on this earth for a very short time, and the earth is mm. very big. There are mm. over 200 countries. And. Mm. You know, it's it's definitely a great experience seeing how people live in other countries. Um, mm. It changes you as a person, definitely. Yeah. Travel is the best educator. Absolutely. Yes. I think Absolutely. I, I heard a saying one day, or someone actually said it to me. I made it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, she said, a traveled mind is a stretched mind, and a stretched mind never regains its original form. Yes. And I love that. I love how, I know, I love how that really encapsulates. And you can see it when you talk to people who haven't been through experiences or who haven't left the country that you're Mm. living in. You can really see that difference. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that that is so true. And I mean, having that stretched mind, it's, it's obviously a very positive thing, but it can also be a negative thing thing in a way that you you're never going to be back into that safe little bubble where mm. you know you're in your comfort zone you've now gone out of your comfort zone and you see the world differently and that you mm. can never go back to that so and I think that's maybe why I'm struggling with the whole concept of home is that it's you know because home in my mind would be a nice comfortable bubble mm. and I'm like well but mm. I've too much. I know too much what now. What is that anymore? <laughs> yes. That's what is it? Even exist anymore. There you go. And I get all philosophical. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that wraps up our conversation for today. Thank you so much for joining us, Bronwyn. It has been so interesting, and it has also been a very a different look at immigration. Uh, so we really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a wonderful experience talking about it. And I think that wraps it up for us this week. 
If you enjoyed this episode or any of our other episodes, please feel free to share them with somebody that you think will resonate with the episodes. Uh, otherwise, please feel free to also leave a star, hopefully five-star rating for us, uh, or a little review. We always appreciate the feedback. Um, and if you're not already following us on social media, we're on TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next week. Bye-bye.